Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Becca Kephart, and I am so excited that we are back after a long hiatus. Um, with that, no promises, but very much planning on making uh, new episodes this season and very excited about what we have for you today in this podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to announce who I have with me today. Uh, you hopefully, if you've listened to the podcast before or have been listening to some other podcasts lately, you have been introduced to Nova Polite. Nova, how are you? Hey, how's it going? This has been the longest two and a half months of the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. How are you? It was a very long decade, the last two months, right? <laughs> Can confirm. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. Um, Nova has been on the podcast lots. Uh, anything else you want to mention about yourself, Nova? Update? Um, okay, I guess for the very, very, very new listeners, yes. I'm uh, pro disc golfer, but I'm really bad at it. But <laughs> I also was kicked off the DGPT. Just yep. nobody cares about me because I don't win. <laughs> Yeah. Says the world champion. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about masters. And I, and I am living proof. Because Not even if, the PDG. If, 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 <laughs> because if they cared about masters, they would have banned me. <laughs> I, it, yeah. only, it only follows. It does. And we are going to get into that. And I'm very excited to uh, do so. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a second, a little bit about how how each one of us kind of received the news about the new uh, PDGA gender protected division policy, which is the topic of discussion today. But first, I want to introduce everyone else first. Uh, also with us is Sarah. Is it Krieg? Am I German that good? Okay. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so Sarah, tell us a little bit about who you are and your relationship with disc golf. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on the show uh, again. Um, and I'm from Germany, uh, from the Berlin area, from Potsdam to be uh, exact. I've played disc golf for six years. I'm an amateur player. I'm a cis woman. And um, yeah, I'm just um, kind of involved in my local community. Uh, disc golf wise but also otherwise I'm chair of my club the Heisernauts and I do some stuff to promote women's disc golf also in my city and I'm just generally um, interested in you know um, helping underserved uh, communities including my own uh, women <laughs> and um, yeah so I'm glad to be here and thanks for having me. Awesome. And also joining us for the first time, I'm very excited, is Amanda Branch. Amanda, can you tell us a little bit, bit more about who you are and, uh, yeah, your relationship with disc golf? Sure. Uh, I'm Amanda Branch. I've been playing disc golf for about 20 years. Uh, I am the executive director of Throw Proud, uh, an LGBT outreach organization for the disc golf community who uh, has recently put together a uh, somewhat comprehensive article on the PDGA's ruling. Yes. Somewhat, awesome. somewhat comprehensive. I just read it. It took like a half hour. <laughs> and when I got to the end of it, I was so much smarter. And, <laughs> and this is being done to me. So I should already understand what's happening. It's, it's Everybody needs to go read that site. It's incredible. Absolutely. So much. <laughs> it's really, really good. And let's get that up front. Uh, Amanda, what is the URL for that website? Sure. Uh, our website is just throwproud.com. And uh, if you go there, 
There's a section for articles where so far it's the only article is the first thing we put online, uh, but there's also just a big orange banner on our homepage right now that uh, links directly to it. Wonderful. Um, so, you know, over the last year, especially, there was a lot of rumblings, a lot of online chatter. Um, it was it was hard this last year to kind of understand what was going on within our disc golf community. But I know, you know, it, it felt like it, it was okay. We had a policy in place that was pretty inclusive, um, allowed for uh, trans women to play in all of the gender protected divisions um, based on, on some um, policies that were there with the PDGA that were, were well established that we discussed on this podcast. You can actually go back and listen. I believe it's in May of 2019. Uh, when the PGA first updated their uh, gender protected division policy um, from simply copying uh, what the IOC had had and, and Nova brought really good information with that. Um, so you could definitely check out that episode if you wanna know where, where we're, we kind of came from. Uh, but lo and behold, in December, a uh, much stricter policy um, to say the least <laughs> came through and we're gonna get into that, um, but I think it's good here, as Sarah pointed out, for us to just kind of talk about, you know, how that affected us and also um, just our reactions to it uh, personally. So would anyone like to volunteer to go first? <laughs> Show of hands. I'll go first. Uh, yeah, please. Thank okay. you, Amanda. So, um... I'd sort of been keeping an eye on the situation for the whole time the PDGA had said that they were uh, under deliberations with the board and the medical com uh, committee and had es essentially been expecting a worse outcome than, than we mm -hmm. actually had. So I was uh, actually somewhat optimistic that it just wasn't a blanket ban. Sure. Uh, it was still obviously a very flawed decision and one not actually... Uh, rooted in good science, but um, it's a lot easier to push back against a set of restrictions than it is a complete ban. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things about watching the actions of the PDGA throughout the year 2012, mm -hmm. um, the all of the signs were there. Right. Well, I mean, first off, there were the two single issue candidates for the board of directors in the July 2022 election. Right. And that election almost felt like a referendum on the issue and nothing else. Yeah. And when those two candidates went down in flames, good job splitting the votes, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, tell me you know nothing about electoral politics without telling me you know nothing about electoral <laughs> politics. Um I thought, okay, that's pretty much going to be the end of it. And then it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, only a matter of weeks before this uh, survey was announced. And I don't think there's anybody in the room who looked at that survey and thought, okay, well, they're going to take another bite at it. They, they didn't get the election they wanted. So they're going to do a survey on what people think of transgender people. And, you know, we can spoil that. Um, the answer is it's not good. 
And then they're going to use that as a basis to do whatever they wanted to do in the first place anyway, which, by the way, is why you don't put the rights of a minority up to the popular vote. Because by definition, there are fewer people in a minority. So that's how the vote's going to go. But I'm already getting off the rails a little bit. But it was really clear that the PDGA was hell-bent on doing the wrong thing all the way down the line in 2022. So I think everybody saw this decision coming. It was just a matter of what meeting is it going to come out of? When is it going to be announced? And uh, mid-December was not not the time I expected. I don't know about anybody yeah. else. Um, so I had been following the whole topic of uh, trans inclusion in disc golf uh, for at least a year prior very intensely so like basically when there was that tweet by austin hannum or something like Mm. so what does everything everyone think about men competing with women blah blah um that's when kind of that was kind of a milestone and oh things are going on uh you know on the internet and all these discussions and um it just got worse from there so i was following social media a lot and facebook groups and everything and i saw that it was brewing and then all the rumors about the board um and the elections that nova mentioned um and a new decision coming up and i was pretty pessimistic as well and also anxious i can't imagine what it was like for for um yeah trans women in the community to to await um, their doom, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine. It was that was the mood. Already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I knew the summit had happened on November fourth, and that day also I was like on my phone the whole time. And there's the time difference to Germany as well. So, you know, I always wake up in the morning. First thing I did was check the PDJ website, and I'd write emails to the board uh, asking what's up and when are they going to release uh, a statement and i only got monosyllabic answer answers um so yeah i was pretty anxious and checking the website every day and when it came out in december the ruling um you know it just got very real all of a sudden i had expected mm-hmm. something like that but you know it kind of hurt a little bit more to actually see it yeah. I think I was working that day and the first thing I did um when I had a second was reach out to Nova. I believe I messaged you just the F word. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure that was what happened. <laughs> oh, oh absolutely. It was it was one of those context it was one of those situations where the context is such that, you yeah. know, you know, Becca just sends me a message that says, Fa and I'm like Yep, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's it's like if, like, take the following sentence as an example. He's just so stupid. We all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Same general idea. You sent fa in chat, and I'm just like, yep, she read it. Yeah. And I went to the office very sad, and everyone was like, what's the matter? Oh, my God, you look terrible. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah, I just told everyone even people who don't know anything about this golf. Yeah. I like I like your coworkers. That that was yeah. very sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I think so for me, I had written up a whole thing in response to some things that I had heard on um 
or just read on the internet. And uh, I decided I like wanted to publish it somewhere and I kind of decided not to just because I felt like I was centering myself too much and that's like not what I want to do. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing Sarah probably felt similarly as well because we are part of a demographic that is is causing the problems. You know, I think that the greatest problem has been that my allies have just been way too vocal. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, I've I've been watching uh, a pirated stream of the coverage of the tournament this weekend, and uh, yeah. Oh, oh, did I say that out loud? And <laughs> and. I'm just struck by, you know, all the shows of support that I've been seeing. It's been really, really, not, really heartwarming. Well, and I think that's, 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 that's clearly sarcasm, by the no, way. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. Forward slash S, right. For all us Reddit users. Uh, don't go on Reddit. Um, so <laughs> No, it's, it's a terrible place. Yeah. But I think exactly to that point, there's all this like, sadness and frustration inside me that um more people aren't being vocal and just the way that it's being approached um i guess i'll just like speak from the heart here a little bit something that's been in my head for a long time and again i i worry about making it about me but i want to say this just in case we do have some folks that are hate listening to this who are very far on the other side um of the topic or those that are just, you know, listening because they're trying to, to figure out what it is. And like, to me, my hope for myself and for everyone else is that they are happy, healthy, and free. And like, if, if that's not your hope, I don't, I don't know what to tell you because that to me is like the ultimate of what we're all trying to pursue. Right. And for those that are just adamantly, against trans women being able to play in the gender protected divisions, I would just ask that you would ask yourself why, because the reality of, of humans and, and just how we operate is that if we don't deal with our own pain, we transfer that pain to others. And I want you to get healed and I want you to get to a place where you can be happy, healthy and free and stop discriminating. Um, because why, why are we gatekeeping womanhood? Like, <laughs> That makes no sense to me. Um, if someone tells you who they are, you can believe them. And we have everything into the world to gain by inclusion and nothing to lose. Um, we'll talk about more, you know, the science and, and the reasoning and, and all of those things of why trans women absolutely are right where they belong in the gender protected divisions. But I would just beg of you, if you're one of those people that like, you don't want to admit it, but you're, you know, joining that small online mob of hate, just ask yourself why, see where you can like heal up, like who hurts you, what hurt you that makes you feel like this is, you know, okay behavior and important to exclude. Um, yeah. And that that's just what hurts my heart, because I just I see a lot of pain and I see a lot of discrimination and, um, of course, worry about my trans women friends as well, because I want them to be happy, healthy and free and, and right where they belong. 
All right. So enough of my tirade. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. So let's kind of hop into it. So we we talked about the ruling. Um, Nova, do you want to just kind of give us a quick summary of basically what the new PDGA policy means for trans women in terms of where you can and where you can't compete? All right, I'll try to do this in under 60 seconds. Um, basically, if you did not have the good sense to transition before the age of 12, um, you are not competing in FPO at DGPT, whether silver or uh, elite series, and you are not competing in FPO at um, PDGA majors. And then what is left is A tiers and below and age protected gender protected divisions, and I think M divisions as well. It's a little bit of a weird situation because it creates a class of part-time women. Yep. And for those who did have the good sense to transition before the age of 12, um, you need to get back to the Star Trek universe that you came from because as far as I'm aware, there are no disc golfers like that on the planet earth and there there might only be about 10 individuals like that on the planet earth because yeah. um if i don't know if anybody's been keeping track of this but uh legislation is uh sweeping the united states at least to you know ban transition for people under the age of oh 15 18 25 99 um so it's a double whammy. It's like you had to transition before you're 12 and also you can't transition before you're 12. And mm -hmm. that to me reads like GTFO. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, you've got to be really careful when you, you know, do this like butt thing, right? Like, especially well, all over the world, but in this country, we have this history of separate but equal and things like that. Like you can be included here, but... Oh boy, you really, that should be a little red flag. Oh, discrimination. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, anyway, because, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and I think um, we should, uh, we should go to Amanda to get into the nuts and bolts of nanomoles per deciliter and months of time <laughs> and stuff like that for the rest of the policy. I think that'd be a good place to go to next. Awesome. Sure. So, the PDGA's previous requirements basically were in line with the IOC, where uh, a trans woman wishing to compete in the protected divisions would need a uh, free testosterone level of 10 nanomoles per liter or less, uh, with at least three tests showing that it had been kept at that level for a period of no less than 12 months. Uh, with the new ruling, um, that 12-month period is now 24 months, and um, stranger than that, the maximum testosterone level allowed now is two nanomoles per liter, which is below the upper range of what's considered normal in a cisgendered woman. So there are, especially with some of the, uh, you know, cis women who are touring pros who are, for example, frequent uh, visitors to the gym, there are likely women on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, cis women who have a testosterone level near or over the limit that would cause a trans woman to be excluded. Yeah. And, and I think. Sorry, and so the question is are we uh, testing all women for their testosterone level or only requiring transgendered women to submit these documents? So the, the, the way the PDGA goes about this is, is strange compared to basically any other sport because. Mm -hmm. 
we're only testing some of the participants. We're only testing trans women. And unlike basically any other sport, that testing is completely at the expense of the player. When testing for performance enhancing drugs in any other sport, the governing body manages the testing so that they know it's their people doing the testing. It's nothing that can be fudged along the way. They cover all the costs of it. It is basically done in-house. With the PDGA, the trans players are required to pay for a doctor visit, pay for the blood tests. Uh, in, in my case, I'm still waiting on reclassification because one of the, so to reclassify from playing only in the mixed division to being allowed to play in the protected divisions, you're required to submit not only your testosterone levels, but also a physician statement saying when it is you started transition or when it is you started hormones at the very least, which is an utterly pointless piece of information when you're already providing the test results. But that's also something, I mean, I had to pay an additional fee to have my doctor write that statement. I'm still waiting on it because my doctor's office is swamped. And um, you know, all of this is coming completely out of pocket to the trans players, because unless you're really excruciatingly lucky, your insurance isn't going to cover it. Yeah. There's almost nothing that insurance plans in the United States cover in terms of uh, the diagnostics that go along with gender affirming care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and confirm. And I'd like to segue a little bit. The uh, the PDEGA's uh, medical committee really wasn't ready for this yeah. at all. Um, I in my in my dialogue with uh, the medical committee via email. Uh, the requirements for what documentation they needed from me changed from email to email. And uh, Hanlon's razor says, you know, attribute that to incompetence and not malice. So I will. And at one point they wanted uh, blood test results and a letter from my doctor saying that my doctor thought that my based on the results and based on my medical history that my testosterone level had likely been below two nanomoles per liter for the preceding 24 months. And then when I got that and sent it in, they said, oh, no, no, uh, actually what we want is a letter from your surgeon, um, you know, stating that you've uh, completed reassignment surgery. And I'm like, oh, the, the surgery I had 20 years ago, you mean? Uh, yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> I'll check so, if the surgeon is still alive. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, do you, I mean, think back to any surgery you might've had 20 years ago. Do you still yeah. keep in touch with your surgeon? You know, what? do you send them Snapchats and stuff? And aside from that, Nova, it's actually a little rare that any doctor's office would keep records around for that long. Like uh, my, my father was a dentist and okay, you know, like I got to see like the day to day, each year, there's just this massive stack of file of, of old patient files that are disposed of, you know, destroyed and, and, you know, cycled out in like five to seven years, at least for a dentist's office. I can't imagine that 20 years is, is the sort of data retention policy that most doctor's offices would even have. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. if, if this were any other type of medical procedure, there's no way that record would be retrievable. Uh, the mm -hmm. only reason I was able to produce the records is because due to some of the other obnoxious uh, legalities around being trans in the United States, 
I had actually held on to that letter um, or mm -hmm. that certification and kept it in my filing cabinet right next to other extremely important legal documents yeah. uh, because that's part of the background radiation of life while trans yes. in the U.S. Yes. is you've got to have this ridiculous medical trail and paper trail. You know, at, at any point, there could be some kind of challenge to my authenticity. And I, I don't, you know, you can't just go into a courtroom and drop your trousers and go, hey, take a look, you know. Right. Um, well, I'm, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe if it was Judge Ito, but so, yeah, so fortunately, you know, because of the sort of discrimination we mm -hmm. endure, I had had the foresight to keep that documentation. But as Amanda was saying, you know, if you just go back to your doctor from however many years ago, they're probably not going to have that. Mm -hmm. Or what if you've moved or changed hospitals? Um, you know, if you move from one town to another and you go from one medical organization to another, now you've got to call the other one back. Uh, medical records are a nightmare. Yeah. Or, Especially and, in the as, as Sarah pointed out, what if, I mean, in 20 years, a doctor could have gotten old and retired. The doctor could have gotten old and died. Right. The, the business could have become uns, uh, insolvent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could if, be if gone. it's a private practice and not a major surgery center, there could literally be no one to contact to produce an utterly pointless piece of documentation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And well, in, in general, I guess, oh, sorry. Um, okay. It's just problematic to, um, you know, in combination with this, pretty bad um, healthcare system, especially for transgender people in the US. I mean, in some other countries, let's not forget PDJ is a global yeah. organization. Yeah. Um, things might be different. So maybe in some European countries, uh, trans women have better healthcare. I don't actually know about that. Um, so it might be easier, um, quote unquote, I don't know. Um, but it's problematic to uh, put the responsibility on the players mm -hmm. uh, to jump through all these hoops, uh, knowing that how the system is and how bad healthcare is for trans people. I'm telling that all together um, is, you know, something that Amanda points out in her, her article and uh, just the enforcement piece in all this and what, you mm -hmm. know, Nova was talking about the PGA just not being ready as well. And what happens with that idea of enforcement also goes hand in hand with when we let certain attitudes persist and give validity to them. Because if we are giving validity and PGA certainly has with this policy, and I believe the community has as well with certain attitudes about um, trans women players and enforcement is not there and things are so inconsistent that then you start getting folks, you know, being accused of all sorts of things or having assumptions made about them, you which get is a all witch garbage. Hunt. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> and obviously all of that is total garbage. And all of that is also going to affect some of the folks that they themselves might, you know, have certain views on this policy, might be supportive of um, exclusion and supportive of letting certain attitudes persist. And those may get turned around against you. Um, so there is a lot of downhill things here to consider as well. Um, something that Amanda does really well in this article that's really cool and I, I'd love to get into is, is also the science. Um, 
If you uh, haven't already, definitely uh, subscribe to Nova's YouTube channel. It's awesome. Uh, Nova's done some very cool vlogs lately, uh, including the bingo card of things that people say on the internet about trans women because, uh, boy, there's oh, some some common ones there that uh, just happen over and over again. It doesn't take much. Um, but there's some some science that we need to talk about. And there, again, so much of this is assumptions, right? That of things I see online of what folks say, and I'm like, you obviously do not know anyone who's transitioned. That's very clear by the statements that you're making. Um, but I know I get caught, you know, accused all the time that I'm just using my feelings and the facts are against me. Um, and as, as it, as it turns out, that's not necessarily true. And uh, maybe the folks accusing me of that have some feelings of their own that they're allowing to, to bias. Um, so the PGA did this study about, um, whoops, buttons. Cool. Let's not even call it a study. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Mass, uh, they wrote a sarcasm paper. quotes. Yeah. yeah. Published a paper. Yes. Well, no, so, well, is, are you talking about the Hilton and Lundberg study? Yes. So please well, tell that, us that more about that. So that wasn't the PDA. Yeah, that wasn't the PDA themselves. Um, Hilton and Lundberg it, uh, released a study that um, was ostensibly to discuss the uh, the fairness of trans women competing in sport. Uh, that didn't study trans women right. that ignored data in the sources they were in. So it's, it's a meta-analysis. They weren't actually doing science. They were analyzing past science and writing their own opinion piece of it. And really that's that's what the study boils down to when you look at the, the various analyses of it online. Um, they were leaving out data that showed that trans women didn't gain, like, one of the one of the studies they cite in it is a study where uh, a bunch of people were put on uh, an intensive eight week training regimen. These people were not athletic for the most part. And the things the study left out were things like people who were already athletic didn't see as many gains because while well, these people have already got the 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 baseline endurance and training from from a similar regimen in their own time where you know somebody who was a couch potato and all of a sudden does eight weeks of training you're absolutely going to gain a bunch of muscle doesn't matter who you are cisgender transgender male female you know as long as you are able to do that workout you're going to gain muscle mass you're going to gain endurance and um you know they not only did they leave that kind of data out they left out data that showed the trans women uh weren't gaining any additional muscle or strength com when compared to the cis women. Mm -hmm. They just completely threw the data out, didn't put it in because it didn't support the conclusion they wanted to draw at the end of their paper. What they did, and I, I tried very hard not to say this in the article I wrote, but this is the same sort of thing that Andrew Wakefield did with his pseudoscience claiming the vaccines cause autism right. and from that very behavior he lost his life his license to practice medicine yeah he was basically kicked out of science for deliberately doing science badly 
mm-hmm. or basically the same thing that Hilton Lundberg did. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't get to assume your conclusion and then take only the evidence which fits the conclusion. That's not science, that's motivated reasoning. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also these two aren't exactly experts in relevant fields, like um, Emma Hilton is a developmental biologist who studies like uh, differences in embryonic development concerning like bladder uh, development and something about noses, I think, I don't know. (laughs) But um, yeah, she's not an endocrinologist or, or she doesn't study athletes at all or trans athletes in particular. And so, you know, it's not really their field, Um, Mm -hmm. but they do uh, work as very outspoken anti-trans activists. So that's (laughs) probably why they think they're experts. Um, Yeah, it's weird. And just, you know, about this PDGA report, um, I would recommend anyone who listens to this to take a look on the PDGA website. It's only a few pages and Mm -hmm. it's in the, the font is not small. It doesn't take long to read, and I want you to look at it and 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 try to think about: Would you hand in a paper like this to your <laughs> professor at uni? Like, is that how you write a paper? I don't know. Um, the sources are kind of weird. I think the Alti World podcast pointed that out. Like, there's Newsweek articles and like unpublished bachelor thesis and all kinds of weird stuff and. Just the whole reasoning is is strange. Um, basically, they reference this Hilton paper, which you know we've already discussed is uh, not a uh, not a credible source. Yeah. And and then they talk a lot about like limb length and body size, and just assume things like okay, so longer arms naturally uh, you throw farther. That that's why uh, I outdrive Paige Pierce. Exactly. <laughs> oh wait. Um, and basically, just pose this as a fact, even though it's not statistically uh, documented at all that you know limb length or uh, this the strength of your legs or anything um, has an effect on your disc golf performance. Which, by the way, includes a lot more factors than throwing far, like you know mental strength, putting, like coordination. We all know that because we all play. Um, so basically, they just go from, uh, so men have long arms, longer than women. And so probably trans women, because, you know, they're basically men, uh, also have longer arms than women do. Um, so that's Actually, why we think trans women throw further. And that's unfair. As, because as that automatically out, makes them way better at this golf thing. As it turns out, though, by the numbers, trans women don't have the longer arms. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the uh, next part. <laughs> I, I, I did a breakdown. Like, I this isn't in the article. I'm, this is going to be... Uh, so on the Throw Proud website, we're going to be building a uh, kind of a resource list of information on the science and the breakdown of, like, statistics on things. And uh, part of what I'm going to bring into that is I uh, back in December, uh, the day after the... the uh, the ruling was handed down uh, before I even knew the background on the Hilton and Lundberg study. I kind of tried to tackle for the, the, essentially the limb length part specifically by the numbers. And, um, you know, 
there are many times more all cisgender women in athletics than there are trans women. Right. And trans women in athletics are even you know this this ultra tiny percentage yes you know where where you know if you give a, a cisgender girl or woman over six feet tall every basketball and volleyball coach in the country is going to be right. <laughs> to have a player like that on their team Absolutely. and then you consider trans women aren't by and large all that enthusiastic about sports because a lot of the ways that especially in in high school uh, a lot of trans women would be able to compete is by living up to that kind of male standard of competitiveness and, and, and competing against guys. And that's not something a lot of trans women really have an interest in doing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty dispiriting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like even, even taking just the numbers into account and, and ignoring, you know, how all cis women would be overrepresented based on the, the, percentage of you know adults that might be athletic and trans women would be underrepresented in that. there's still um in the u.s alone there's over 1.68 million women over six feet tall hmm. at any given point it's just based on statistics using like the census as the the starting point uh 419 000 of them completely ignoring the fact that they would be overrepresented, so this number is actually low, are athletes. As opposed to, um, and this number would be high because trans women aren't going to be athletes as, as frequently as cis women would. Uh, 18,676 trans women over six feet tall who are athletes. Yeah. So in, in, your, in your calculation of whether, you know, your mental calculus of whether limb length is even a relevant statistic, you know, you're you're comparing a grain of sand to the sand dune. Um, the point is for me that the PDGA itself adheres to the new framework by the uh, International Olympic Committee, or at least they say they do. And the new framework, which is kind of part of the reason why we're even here, mm -hmm. um, stopped uh, uh, suggesting a blanket policy based on testosterone levels, but basically put the responsibility on sports organizations to make up their own rules uh, regarding transgender participation. Um, so hence the PDGA scrambling to put together basically their own science, which doesn't really exist on disc golf specifically, um, because how would it? We don't have the resources to uh, to do science on transgender disc golfers, the, um, especially actually, not having a sample size big enough. Actually, someone does though. Um, I was looking. I was watching uh, a, a story Thomas Gilbert shared on mm. Instagram a few months back, where he was at the University of Waterloo in Canada with a bunch of sensors hooked up all over his body, throwing discs at a net. So like the, there is a lab that is equipped to actually do measurements and testing of some sort on the, the physiology of disc golf that I, I actually think it would be a little fascinating to actually do exactly that analysis to see it side by side, you know, here's what, a how a trans woman and a cis woman 
of, of similar skills and capabilities are, you know, in terms of like overall power or, you know, the speed of the disc coming out of the hand or things like that. That would be cool, but it's... That's not what they did. You know, statistically significant, you know, would be mm -hmm. a qualitative mm. study maybe. Yes. But so basically what the PDA, PDGA has done is to uh, form conclusions based on stuff that they picked up here and there, some of it from anti-trans activists, and basically just making claims of their own, which are not backed up by data, um, mm. such as this whole body size, um, muscle mass thing, which even ignores the actual physiology of trans women, uh, which, um, you know, there are studies that show that even pre-transition trans women have different bodies than cis men. So all these things go ignored, and the PDGA is basically like, yeah just seems like it you know well, um, so they aren't really following up uh, following through on their initial promise um that any uh restrictions need to be based on uh on peer-reviewed evidence they just don't do that they just come up with evidence of their own based on assumptions and they uh, try to sell it to us as evidence which it isn't mm -hmm. that's what bothers me about it and and what evidence they they do have um they're typically comparing cis men to cis yeah. women. And you can even see that if you want a TLDR, if you don't want to even read 10 pages double spaced, you know, in a in a 15 point, I have to make this paper 10 pages long typeface, um, skip to the conclusion because the conclusion contains a literal non sequitur that would not get past any writer of any quality anywhere. You, you hand it into your professor and the professor says your conclusions are non sequitur. You get an F. It says, you know, you know, cis men have these tremendous advantages over cis women. Therefore, transgender women are a problem. And it's like, no, 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 you made a jump there. You, you made a jump there because uh, because trans women are not cis men. Um, uh, just for example, all, all the all the fixation on the on the spooky skeleton living inside our bodies. Um, yeah, I'm hauling around a six foot four spooky skeleton with this big wigspan, but I'm hauling it around with way less muscle mass yes. than before. So it's actually a lot of work dragging yes. this spooky skeleton around with me. Yes, absolutely. Nova, did you play disc golf before uh, your surgery? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, that was way back in 2003. I began playing disc golf in 2015. Well, for, for anyone listening, just to kind of quantify that a little bit, uh, I know I'm a sample size of one, but uh, I have heard similar things from other trans women playing disc golf. Um, Pre-transition, I'm 6'1 I'm to 6'3 on a good day. Uh, and pre-transition, I had kind of your average tall but not quite skinny person build. And um, uh, hole three at Firefighters Park in Troy, Michigan, is a 420-foot hole with uh, a creek behind it that I measured on, on uh, Google Maps the other day just because I was curious. Um, I've put a disc in that creek in the air at 470-something feet. And, um, you know, when I was going through transition, I, I was getting incredibly frustrated by, you know, how just day to day my 
distance was just all over the map as, as you know, my muscles atrophied and all the physiological changes were happening from just hormones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, when, when I came back after all of that, it kind of finally settled and started playing again. Um, I was having trouble breaking 300 feet mm-hmm. and Respect. With, with, you know, most of a year of strength training and field work and kind of grinding as much practice as I could because I was so disheartened by where did all my distance go? Um, I've gotten up to around 360, 370 feet on my, my longest distance shots. And this with the same form that I was getting 470 plus feet on pre transition. Absolutely. And I think any cisgender woman in the audience uh, actually has relevant experience in this. And I'm going to say why. Um, because, you know, we're outnumbered 14 to one in the sport of disc golf. Um, cis women end up uh, playing on cards with dudes all the time. And uh, Sarah, Becca, maybe you can confirm that. Is it or is it not disheartening to throw a lightweight disc with the best form you can and get a certain distance and then watch an average dude who's skinny fat or got dad bod, you know, just sort of chicken wing and nuke and outdrive you by a hundred feet with seems like no effort. How does that feel? It feels horrible, but not because I think, uh, you know, my body is at fault. Right. For being, you know, uh, oh, yeah. but... for being uh, like, like having female features. It's because sure. I'm mad at, at the world. And everyone I've ever known <laughs> for uh, making me believe that I'm not good enough and I can't do yeah. these things, right? And making it a self-fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. and that is a factor as well, I assume, uh, for you know people of other marginalized genders, you know, whether non-binary, trans, whatever, just generally people who kind of feel like outsiders uh, in a patriarchic world and are constantly reminded of being inferior and Mm -hmm. as we all know confidence is probably the biggest factor in success in sports or at least in disc golf and I think there's a confidence gap as well and a lot of social factors that we're not considering and just boiling everything down to these biological things and like you know limb length and all that crap it just Mm -hmm. reminds me of those times when you know women were told they couldn't go to university because their sure. uterus kept them from studying properly. You know, that, <laughs> or, kind of, that has that feel for me. <laughs> or as recently as yeah. the late 1960s, early 1970s, women could not run marathons because their uteruses would bounce out. That, even better example. <laughs> yeah. This is literally a thing that's happened. Go you know, yeah. look up, the, look up the history of the Boston marathon yeah. and yeah. women's participation in it. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of the focus on very specific dimensions of various sorts of humans to determine what they are reeks of phrenology to me. Yes. What's what's old is new again. Yes, so much so. And I think we could kind of start to blend this into um the the next idea up here of, of what's fair. And I have a lot of thoughts, so I'll try to not go off on this one too much. But but that's what it's coming down to, right? And you know, something that gets lost all the time is just the 
the biodiversity within cis women, within all women. And, you know, to really break it down, sports are not fair. They are never, ever, ever going to be fair. We do the best we can and we can let go of that idea that anything's fair. I am old enough to remember three years ago when Paige Pierce was crushing everybody else and all the online chatter was, well, she needs to move up to MPO. That's not fair. And um, just, you know, sports in and of themselves. I love sports. I have loved sports my whole life. But it is a bunch of bullshit that we made up that we decided to care about. And they are a wonderful thing, but it gets unhealthy so fast. And when folks, you know, going back to this witch hunt idea, are looking for a reason to gain a competitive advantage, that's when a lot of this stuff starts coming out, right? Like, you know, this NBA team always loses when this ref is refing them. So it's obviously the ref's fault that they lost. And you know, like it's, there is always going to be something to point to, which again is why I think we have to be so careful when we start saying, well, that's not fair. It's like, okay, well, what, what biases are in, inside of me? You know, I saw online once, just one last point, and then I'll get off my uh, soapbox here. The, the thing that made, you know, one of the many things online that made me want to throw my phone across the room is someone commented, well, I never want to sign up in my local event because there's a trans woman who's just going to beat everybody. And I'm like, yo, that's just women's disc golf. I lost to the same woman every single tournament in 2018. Like, our divisions are small. This has nothing to do with what you think it does. You're just using, you know, these uh, conclusions that you have come to for your biased reasons to justify how you feel about something being fair or not fair and winning your little two-person tournament <laughs> in your division. Um, but yes, I think Noah has something to say. Sorry, I, well, I went yeah, out there. No, but, well, <laughs> I, well, I mean, in sports in general, you know, the, the whole point is to find out who's the best. And when you, when you cast the net wide enough and, uh, you know, you've got a big enough competition, you know, you're going to have your outliers. You're going to have your Michael Phelps with his weird double hinged feet and his, and his yeah. ridiculous lungs. You're going to have uh, Paige Pierce's drop dead perfect form. You're going yep. to have, you know, Michael Jordan doing Michael Jordan things. <laughs> and, you know, apparently it's okay to be that heroic sports athlete who is the outlier as long as you're cisgendered. Yes, that's um, right. But, but the bias, to get back to what you just got done talking about, the bias is if a trans player uh, prospers or does particularly well, then it's not because of anything the trans player, you know, did to get that good. You know, the the bias jumps in and says, no, mm -hmm. no, they must be cheating in some way. G yep. Get them out of there. Mm -hmm. And that's baloney because if you allow a group to play on the condition that they can't win, <laughs> like, like they're forbidden from winning. If, if they win, we're going to legislate them away. Mm. Then what does that say for your investment in fairness? Yeah. It's a sham. Yeah. It's, and what and, bothers and, me, oh, sorry, Amanda, you go. One of the things that's always sort of stood out to me in terms of that fairness and, and you know, I, why it really kind of sticks as one of those trans women are welcome until they win things is on the numbers, there isn't really a trans woman that's 
dominant in their division. True story. Apologies, apologies to you, Nova, but like I'm the number. <laughs> um, you know, I. It's just not there. No, Barrett there, White's there got is, my number. There, there, there is at least one player in FPO who can be seen as dominating the entire division. You know, Kristen Tatar has a 47.8% win rate. Mm -hmm. She won almost half of every event she played in 2022. And she was going to the big ones. Yeah. And, you know, the, the one she lost to Natalie Ryan, MVP open, she was playing with not only a split open finger, but, a shoulder that was in that, that like a month or two after the season was over, she was under surgery for how badly it was injured. Yeah. You know, she, you know, Natalie Ryan won two tournaments with dozens of competitors within striking distance, both mm -hmm. times, mm -hmm. you know, it, it took a very injured Kristen Tatar to a playoff. And, you know, those are the only two events Natalie won last year. Yeah. Apparently that was but, too too many. Yeah. Too many. And, I, and, I would you know, go out on a limb and say it it wouldn't even matter. Like mm -hmm. if Kristen Tatar was a trans woman um who won a lot of events, I don't think that that should mean uh oh, there's proof now. There's right. the advantage. Um it's still only anecdotal and you can't control for other variables for why she's she's that good absolutely so, um but it's true that there really isn't this dominance and it should be if there was one it would even be more than one person there would be just swarms of trans yeah, women speaking uh, up those trophies in yeah. all in in all the sports i mean right. the ioc relaxed yeah. the policy for trans participation in olympic sports a couple of decades ago and hyper competitive national sporting bodies should have been combing their nations to find all the trans women they could to go get right. all that gold. And how many, how many transgender women have got an Olympic gold medal? I'm yeah. pretty sure the answer to that is zero and not thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there's been a medalist in a team sport and I'm not even sure that was a gold. And it's, and it's not for lack of attention. Not for lack of trying. Yeah. yeah. It's there, there have been trans women competing in, many sports at the collegiate and Olympic levels. And, you know, it's you know, the one, the one that anybody can really point to to say they've had a successful career is Leah Thomas, but 90% of what people rant about, about her is based on fabrications or right. assumptions that, that because she won one random event one time and set a, a record at that event that, this is what she's doing all the time. Right. Yeah, it's just not the case. Absolutely. So something that you point out, Amanda, that in your article that I think is really important is just who is this unfair for this new policy? And it's it's unfair for everyone. Yeah. For for all women. You know, it's it's absolutely unfair to cis women because you know Nova, uh I, I don't know if you have a day job, but Natalie Ryan's you know, her day job was disco. And now it can't be. Yeah. Because someone was afraid that, um, you know, she might win and take money out of a cis woman's pocket who could just as easily 
lose that money to another syswoman. Yes. Absolutely. Um, at the same time, it's not just unfair to the trans women. You know, I, I mentioned in the article, you know, it, it, as tends to happen in most sports where you institute a ban or a restriction on trans women competing, it does not take long before people start pointing the finger at cis women and saying, well, I think she's trans. Yep, you get I your think she's out. only doing this well because she's trans. And so um, was it uh, last month sometime or, or early this month, um, the Disc Golf Pro Tour put, uh, you know, they were just posting like last year's recaps celebrating cool things that happened last year. And they put Alva Hansen's long drive competition video up there celebrating incredible throw that immediately was pounced upon by transphobes saying that's a guy yeah well they uh transphobes have been dogging ella hansen all throughout 2022 and really the question is how many cis women are going to be subject to that witch hunt in 2023 because it's going to be more than one yeah you know you know all the this new policy has done is it's ramped up the rhetoric and mm -hmm and hyped up the anti-trans contingent. So they're going to be emboldened to do yes. even more of this. Yeah. And what is the PDGA or the Pro Tour doing to protect, uh, you know, women? Yeah. And I mean, protecting <laughs> women is a big But actually what protection would mean is to make yeah. sure that, you know, women, all women, uh, are are safe uh, from from being harassed and and yeah. insulted and you know all these things so that's protection to me and i don't <laughs> see any of that happening and, well and the, as it turns out like the the pdga did was it earlier in 2022 maybe late 2021 institute some new rules that right. essentially can put somebody through the formal disciplinary process for online harassment uh, of other players so like there there is in theory mm -hmm. the the mechanism in place to offer that protection but is it enforced the only time anybody has ever uh, even came close to putting it into use was when uh Jennifer Castro essentially trolled the PDGA into uh, admitting that they really were kind of tripping over themselves trying to figure out how to enforce their own rules on on trans trans inclusion in disc golf and somewhere along the way, either because of what she said or how she said it, um, somebody did file a formal disciplinary complaint against her, which, as far as I know, went nowhere as well it should, because she didn't do, I mean, her intentions were by no means noble, mm -hmm. but she didn't do anything that would have constituted that sort of online harassment. Mm -hmm. And. To be fair, the PDGA set themselves up for a fall on that one. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, when they instituted the 2019 policy, I had been uh, competing for about four years at that point. And I reached out to the, the medical committee and I was like, uh, hey, y'all, um, you know, just between me, you and the wall, I'm transgender. And I've been competing for the last four years. And I have been abiding by the regulations as they existed from 2015 forward from when I started. But with this new policy, I... I'm already in compliance. I can tell you that for sure. What do you need me to do? And they just sent me back a letter and they're like, no, nah, you're cool. <laughs> uh, an email, excuse me. And I was like, wow, that's really informal. Yeah. There's there's no way some agent provocateur 
could could send in an email and say, hi, I'm trans. What do I do? And they send back a note that says, oh, no, you're cool. And yeah. and then you go on Fox News. So, <laughs> so good job, PDGA. And Lee, to their credit, they did learn from that mistake. And they oh. have made the whole process a lot more formal now. Even if they did take a month after actually releasing the <sighs> after the actual deadline for the new rules to come into place before the forms actually even existed for people to comply with them. Right. And <laughs> and 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 the beauty of it was it was all uh, uh you you went into this at great length and they were reclassification forms, mm -hmm. which these I think are intended for people who are already playing disc golf who then transition and need to be reclassified. Yes. The reclassification forms were absolutely useless for people who are already in the correct classification and yeah. then just needed to touch base with the PDGA and say, hey, you changed the rules out from under me. What do I need to do to, to be in, well, in compliance? But that's that's also turning out not to quite be the case. Uh, one of the people who is uh, collaborating with Throw Proud uh, mm -hmm. is a, a trans woman who had, had been competing uh, and had been classified for play in the protected divisions who now right. is having to go through the reclassification process again. Oh, good <laughs> God. So in terms of fairness, uh, another thought pops up. Um, fairness to me also means, you know, equal opportunity, um, growing the sport, um, getting underserved communities into the sport and sending these kind of signals like right. with this policy and encouraging the, the trolls online mm -hmm. isn't something that makes um, any type of member of the LGBTQ plus community uh, feel welcome in the sport. Yeah. And just, you know, it creates a barrier because people know that they will be, they might be um, subject to weird looks or comments or anything when they show up to a tournament or on the course in general yeah. um, people have turned their back on this golf uh, mm -hmm. since this ruling came out so in terms of um, opening up the sport and and having letting everyone have the same opportunity to participate uh, this is a gigantic failure yeah. especially considering you know that there's no evidence for this um and right. if there's no evidence then inclusion should be the default setting yes. basically i mean especially, the burden of proof yeah, is on the pdga and they're not giving us it especially when the pdga says in their statement on the ruling that their desire is to foster fairness and inclusion right <laughs> which is useless at the end of an exclusionary document <laughs> Uh, that's that's a, it's it's like stabbing someone and then saying we value not stabbing people yes. uh -huh. goes um, back to my you're yeah. included but but yeah and this uh this outward appearance uh sarah that you were just talking about has actually already had negative effects for disc golf in a tangible way uh a report on uh the dgcr uh forum um a writer uh has written and i'm now i'm now reading it off the screen um that uh, I'm going to quote here, growing local women participation is vital to the growth of disc golf. We recently were denied an opportunity to put a course in the ground. One of the reasons was a lack of cultural diversity and gender participation in the sport. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Uh, that was written yesterday uh, in the evening. So less than 24 hours ago, mm -hmm. um, a, uh, a participant in the DGCR forum has reported that what the PDGA has been up to is not good optics. Yeah. Especially on an international uh, scale. I mean, the PDGA sometimes doesn't seem to realize itself that it's a global organization. Um, oh, they, they never, they never are they aware never of that. But in, in the US, so sorry. this, you know, this kind of stance might be popular in some states and you might get gain points from that. Mm. But like in Europe, um, I mean, it's not like this is a paradise for uh, trans people or, or anything like that. Um, I wouldn't UK. say that. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, but here, like, especially in some areas, people are a lot more open-minded and you can't really um, promote the sport as well when you have an organization behind it that is basically uh, banning trans people from elite events and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's already bad with 90% male membership in the PDGA. Um, and I try my best here to make this golf not look like an all male uh, sausage party. <laughs> um, like whenever I take pictures of tournaments that we put on our website, I'm always like, okay, where is a group with a woman in it that I can take a picture of so that it looks good on the website? And, and women will look at the website and be like, oh, cool, look, there's women there too, well, that's good. And, you know, so maybe they don't realize so fast that yeah. <laughs> you're doing um, a bait and switch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this just makes it worse. Like, I don't even want to, we shouldn't even tell anyone about it. <laughs> just because it hurts this golf so much. Well, it's the, the thing that I'm essentially going to have to be wrestling with uh, in the near future on this. Um, you know, what, what I'm trying to do with Throw Proud is start hosting events, too. You know, I'm not trying to, like, have a whole series or anything, but um, I'd like to have, you know, like a Pride Month tournament at the very least. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at potential for sponsorship for the event outside of the existing disc golf community, which when you're talking about throwing a unsanctioned, Pride Month event, essentially thumbing your nose at the PDGA's rules, mm -hmm. um, you're not going to get a lot of participation from the actual disc golf sponsors and, and, and brands. Yeah. So I have to look at, you know, outside of the disc golf community, being able to go to them and be like, hey, I'm throwing a tournament. It's in a sport where the governing body just started doing really discriminatory things please have some money anyways <laughs> yeah maybe maybe don't lead with that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i'm mostly gonna have to hope that they don't know much about the sport of disc golf well yeah. on the well I, I i feel like you're i've got some good news in that regard um and until this until this actually hits the mainstream and god that's a ticking time bomb um <laughs> I feel like until this hits the mainstream, I think your tournament's going to be okay. But so, yeah. you know, I mean, we we've got uh, we've got Natalie Ryan's lawsuit. Um, we've got an election coming up, so you know, people are going to be looking for the news. Are there? Or excuse me, uh, news outlets are going to be looking for a story to report. And sooner or later, this is going to go big. Yeah. 
and it's I don't think it's going to go big in a good way for the PDGA and the DGPT. Yeah. Well, this has been a I fantastic mean, sorry, keep going. So Natalie is the first, uh, right? I'm just trying to yeah. confirm with, with you. That yes, as far as soon. actual uh, legal actions, yeah. Natalie's okay. is the first. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it may well be the one that sets the precedent that means we don't need any more because of, uh, of, you know, what the claims are and where it's being filed. Yeah. But um, certainly opens the door for, you know, many legal actions against the PDGA. Especially with how badly they they backed their own decision and how poorly they implemented it. Yeah. Well, that really kind of helps us segue here. This has been a fantastic discussion that we could go on for quite a bit longer with. Um, I'd like to kind of wrap, start wrapping up here. So, where do we go from here? You know, we've we've mentioned the lawsuit that's out there. Um, Amanda, your organization, Throw Proud, that's going to be moving forward. Um, I have applied for the women's committee, the PGA women's committee. I re-upped just to apply and made it very clear that the only reason why, well, not the only reason, but they ask you for your why, like, why are you doing this? And I said for the full inclusion of all women in disc golf and to change policies to make them inclusive. So we'll see what happens with that. I, um, I applied for that committee as well, and I was so pleased after submitting the form to find out that I, I had been submitted for consideration for the New Jersey State Coordinator yes. position. And I, I let them Wait, know what? about that. Yes. So this happened to me, too. They just they didn't have a well-oiled machine over there at the PDGA. Uh, yeah, they hadn't updated uh, their uh, website. So, yes, I also found out that I had successfully. But I checked, and they said that, yes, it got into the right place, and they fixed the little... Uh, message that comes up when you apply that we did not accidentally um, move to New Jersey. And I do not wish to move there. Blessings to everyone there in New Jersey, but I'm going to stay here in Kansas. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, where where else do we go from here? I know, Amanda, you've got some great ideas in the article um, and are you're continuing to update there at, at Throw Proud. Um, yeah, other concluding thoughts here. Uh, the, the policy is a disgrace. At the very minimum, walk it back to the it, the previous standard from 2019 and oh. spend some time actually doing proper science on this yes. using the 2019 standard as a placeholder until yes. something um, more formal can be uh, put into play. Absolutely. Um, uh, what we saw in the season of 2022 was not sufficient to cause the, the new policy that yes. came about. It was a, a gross uh, overreaction and mm -hmm. it's disturbing on its face it's yes. it needs to be shit canned instantly yes yeah the, the catch is motivating the pdg into doing that and that really is going to require activism and civil disobedience on the part of anyone who considers themselves an ally to this absolutely and that means you know making your voices heard you know showing up at events um protesting you know, wear, wearing pride colored shirts or uh, we don't have them yet, but uh, eventually we'll have throw proud shirts and jerseys and whatever, if you want to buy some of those, um, just just for visibility, just yeah. to let people yeah. know, you know, we're, we're going to have a contingent at Deglo this year following Nate Heidhold around, just kind of engaging in old school heckling. Nate There's, Heinhold needs to have a very bad time in minecraft he 
Nate Heinhold was <laughs> followed around at last year's D-Glow and being heckled before this decision even came out. Yeah. Like, it's... You want to talk about bad optics. How bad are the optics of the president of the PDGA board being an outspoken yes. bigot? Yeah. Right? Somebody who, who openly and publicly speaks against the existence and rights for all of the LGBT community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now these these are things that many many people feel strongly about. If mm -hmm. every single one of those people made their voice heard, and you know, what what one thing we've been seeing and trying to talk about this, it it's apparently asking an awful lot at this particular point in history to get people to stop watching the paid live streams of the PDG of, of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. But that is, you know, the money coming in from that was the entire difference between, you know, Nova winning the world championship twice and Natalie winning two tournaments this in 2022 is Natalie's were on camera. Absolutely. And all of this was, was could we can assume was done uh, to, uh, you know, keep those viewership numbers up. Well, there's an awful lot of people who disagree with this decision that are still watching those videos. Well, and there are an awful lot of people who agreed with the decision who would continue watching even if Natalie were uh, competing because yeah. it's a good hate watch. Yeah. True, very true. <laughs> I canceled my DGM. Well, no, it feeds the amygdala. That rage center keeps people coming back. It's why Facebook still exists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, speaking of you know Nova and Natalie, let's also not forget Laura, who's on the board. Uh, of the PDGA and was probably the first big target of online hate uh, when she won the M Worlds in the uh, Masters division, I think. Yeah, FA forty. Yeah. 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 So now, um, and and that's been a minute. What was that? Twenty. Yeah. Nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the, the late teens. Yeah, I think twenty nineteen. And um so Sounds yeah, right. like this all of this isn't new. Like I think Laura took a pretty bad hit from the disc golf community then and um, you know, uh that was already rough. And I think Nova, you've had your, your share probably as well. Uh, just um, just a little bit, but again, nobody yeah. nobody cares about masters. Yeah. Um I mean and, which and, is probably why Laura then in that context sometimes doesn't get mentioned, but I guess she yeah. she uh, also takes a lot just for you know being on the board. Right. Um, and and Chloe Alice just straight up bailed, just said yeah. peace out. She's yeah, like, like the I, and I respect that decision. Yeah. You know, go mm -hmm. in peace. Yeah, she what a loss. She'd been bullied for most of 2022 as well. Like oh absolutely. You know, there was a tournament in early in the year where Paige Pierce gathered a bunch of other touring FPO players just to come out to was it Alabama, Arkansas, one of those states uh, that uh, uh, it was uh, it, it was it was the panhandle of Florida, so lower Alabama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she got Paige got a bunch of players to come out because all of the women playing in FPO that day uh, switched to playing mixed right. or dropped out of the tournament the tournament entirely yeah. explicitly to force Chloe to play against men. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that tournament was covered by uh, Terry Miller on his, uh, mm -hmm. on his uh, channel. So there's yeah. video coverage yeah. of that too. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful watch. Yeah. And honestly, if we, if we had some thought leaders in FPO coming out and doing that again, that would be really nice right about yes. now. Yes. I'm seriously like if where, I had yeah. where yeah, 
where yet? It, it worked exactly. really well last year. Where are you at now? It's, we need, like, we need that, you. That's the one thing that's really been the most painful in all this is the silence of the, the allies in touring FPO. Like we, we know yes. there are allies out there, but you know, for whatever reason, be it contractual obligations to sponsors or what, even the ones who had been activists have been completely like Paige Pierce hasn't said one word about this. She, mm -hmm. she, you know, it's, it's quite dispiriting. Yeah. Yeah. It would be really excellent to see some more, more support from willing voices. Um, Actually, it would be, it would be great to see some support. Yes. From willing voices. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's so many factors, like this whole capitalism thing and folks trying to make a living and scared to, you know, say the right thing or do the right thing. And um, if you want everybody to buy your discs, you don't take a side. Exactly right. And and it's really unfortunate because it's not like we don't have this incredible amount of recorded history now that we can look back on and make some real informed choices uh, about our actions and and what we do and i think um we can continue to put pressure on disc golf manufacturers to let them know that you know we are on the side of inclusion and we would like to hear from them um i that's not unreasonable and the more pressure that, you know, folks from the inside uh, can put as well, the more we can see things move forward. And, you know, we've certainly in the U.S. seen that in recent years. And it's, you know, progress is cool. Like, there's a lot of very silly virtual signaling from corporations and actions speak louder than words. But we've got the words part now. So that's something and hopefully, you know, continued action can follow. Um, and I think that's, that's really the way forward here. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, like on just a very silly personal standpoint, like my relationship to this golf feels strange from what it once did, you know, like mm -hmm. this was my fun hobby that I did with my friends and like got, to put aside all the other thinking like 2016 was when I came back. And part of the reason why it was so extra was that it was a very fraught time here in our nation. <laughs> I mean, right. when is it not, but especially then. And it, it was like, okay, there's this other thing I can focus on. And then, you know, as it turns out, the, the community was not, not all that we had hoped. Um, and like, that's okay. Cause you know, it wasn't maybe full reality being seen at that point, but it's, I think it's also okay to just acknowledge that this sucks. Like that's the whole point of what we've been talking about, right? Like this sucks for everybody. It doesn't have to. Like that's so frustrating. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. It's it. You know, I I don't want people to think that what's happening in disc golf is normal. Um, I, yeah. A few weeks ago, I did an interview with Share the Air and yeah. an Ultimate uh, podcast, yes. and I don't know much about Ultimate, so I did a lot of research to go see how things are going over on the ultimate side of throwing Frisbees around and they're killing it. Yeah. Um, you know, their, their trans inclusion policy is basically playing the division where you're the most comfortable. Yeah. That that's it. Yeah. Nobody has to get a needle in their arm. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I mean, they're 
the conversation in Ultimate right now is, all right, cool, we got the trans thing sorted. What do we do about NBs? Mm-hmm. And like in a proactive way, like let's roll up our sleeves and let's let's come up with a way. And then I come back to disc golf and disc golf is like, we got men and women and part-time women, (laughs) depending on what division you want. It's like, no, yeah, no, this is what's happening in disc golf is not normal. Don't think it's normal. Yes. It's, it's supposed to be better than this. Yes. And what the ultimate um, uh, perspective is also um, honoring is the whole history of, of, of women's sports and how, um, there's also a factor of a space being created where women can feel safe. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, people are always like, uh, yeah, so we have women's sports because, you know, men are better than women and we don't want men uh, men to compete against women. But it's not just that. It's not just about um, athletic success. It's also about um, having a space where, you know, you're among your peers. And yes. that often gets neglected, like that, you know, how people identify that, like, that's not just facts versus feelings. It's actually, it, it has relevance, like where people play, with whom they play. And that's what I meant with equal opportunity, that people yeah. should be playing where they feel safe and welcome. Yes. And, you know, it's... if a person says, you know, I live as a woman and I, I want to play with other women. Yes. Um, who, are, who is anyone to say, no, you can't. Yes, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, and it I've... really hurts me that that so few pros have spoken up. Just this one more more thing, mm-hmm. um, because I've looked up to these people, of course, yeah. over the years. I follow women's disc golf a lot, and I religiously watch tournaments and stuff, or I did. And I also canceled my network uh, subscription now because, not just out of protest, like I can't enjoy it anymore. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know. Right. How? Like I can't watch. And that really sucks. I mean, you know, yeah. that's like feels like a first world problem comparing right, you know, because I'm not a trans woman who can't play anymore. Right. <laughs> I can play wherever I want, but you know, it took away yeah. the, the levity and the, the joy yeah. out of things. Yeah, it's like when you find out one of your friends is actually a terrible person. It's like, yeah. oh, we can't be friends anymore. I've lost yeah. a friend. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a little bit of a, a grieving process or a mourning mm-hmm. process. It's like, oh, you were secretly terrible. Oh, yeah. Mm. Heck, well, we'll always have had the good times. Uh, uh, Sarah, what you said about peers, though, uh, super important because uh, that's that's a stupid question I get online all the time. It's like, oh, why don't you just go play MPO? And it's like, or why do you play FPO? And it's like, well, I play with women because they're my peers. Yes. That that is a a huge point, too, because... I know Nova, you you know you and I have both been in the same threads on on DGCR, and there was a time <laughs> when I was trying to figure out this, you know, the, the tournaments I want to run. I was like, well, one of the things I had originally wanted to do was be like, you know, see if I could just say, you know, screw divisions mixed and, and female. Yeah. Let's throw base. Let's let's play based on. You know, you benchmark the players. How far do you throw? How many putts do you sink? Let's in? shoot the hostage. <laughs> so, like, I pitched this idea on the forum where there were, mm-hmm. you know, men and cis women, trans women, and almost universally, the women said that they wouldn't, they wouldn't play it because it's not yeah. so much that they about 
specifically a lot of times playing with their peers as it is not playing with men. Yeah. I, yeah. I have several, you know, local disc golf gal pals who have just infuriating stories of mm -hmm. the way that they're treated on the disc golf course by men. Yeah. You know, where 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 just horrible things are said, they're you know, dismissed and objectified and infantilized by men just because they're a woman play. I mean, there's guys who who will sit there and like throw a tantrum because they're made to play on a card with a woman. Yep. Yeah. But you know, I will say at the end of the day, it's it's hard and it's frustrating, but they also they don't get to have the sport. That's not fair. That's not right to just, you know, I'm I'm not ready to just walk away and right. say deuces. I'm ready to find like-minded folks. I'm ready to do what I can to hopefully influence the greater, you know, governing body and community. But there are a lot of us similarly minded that can continue to play together, um, that can continue to enjoy what we've always enjoyed. Uh, because I don't think it's right for that to get lost because of bigotry. We can we can move this in a different direction. I'd like to think so. Um, I've committed to playing through the end of 2023, but yeah. something needs to change or the clock is definitely ticking on my participation in this sport. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say a few more words to the listeners, if I may. Yeah, of course. Um, about, you know, we were talking about where do we go from here? What can we do? And we mentioned some things like, you know, speaking up. And that means to me everywhere, like talk to your disc golf friends about this issue. And like, have you heard about this? And, and you know, educate them. And if you can't educate them because you're not educated enough yourself, there's some good stuff you can read, um, like uh, on, on trans uh, women in general, like the um, Canadian Center for Ethics and Sports. Uh, I think we haven't yes. mentioned it, but we should. Yes. Um, have published a thorough review of uh, science on trans athletes. So, you know, if this podcast wasn't enough for you, uh, you can check that out. There's also a summary that's only like 10 pages long if you don't want to read the whole thing because it's pretty big. Uh, and the summary is already pretty helpful. It, oh, and it is a kick-ass read. Um, yeah. You know, most scientific literature is pretty dry, but uh, this one had me riveted. Uh, if we could get a link to it in the show notes, that would be amazing. There's also... Yes, um, uh, on ThrowPro's article about it in the the science section, it's linked. Um, All right. There's a there's a, was it like fourth paragraph or so it says as it turns out that's not true, and then there's a list of three sources. Um, the first of those sources is the the final report. Outstanding. So if anybody who just wants a, a a quick place to find it and doesn't necessarily have uh, a link here available while listening to this. Uh, you can find it on Throw Prods right up. Awesome. Outstanding. Right. So definitely read that. And yeah. also, I know a lot of people have um, quit their PDGA membership. And that's mm -hmm. also, you know, everyone has their own way of dealing with it. Um, I personally have renewed my membership, um, you know, so it's easier to make my voice heard as a member. Yeah. And, you know, for the reasons Becca said, like, let's not let them have it. And I'm yeah. planning to vote uh, in this year's board yeah. elections. 
um, it's all a question of majorities on the board, and we can change those. Um, yeah. And we need and every every. Nate vote. is on the bubble. Nate Nate yeah. Heinhold is up for election this year. Yeah. So and... let's do that. Let's let's um, let's not give up just yet. And yeah. you know, speak up, educate yourself, vote, go protest, um, write emails, you know, call, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And if you've got a trans friend, let them know you're thinking about them. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's been a little bit on the quiet side. Yeah. 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 And if you don't have a trans friend, go make one. Find <laughs> one. That's, that's, that's the thing about this that, that has been such a, you know, when I first started this process, um, I was look, I was envisioning it as as like mostly an activism thing. But the more I've played with people and the more I've talked to people, the most important component of this is visibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of my one of my gal pals I disc golf with before she golfed with me was an outspoken opponent of trans inclusion in disc golf. Mm. I had no idea of this the first time I met her. Hi, Gabby, by the way. And, um, <laughs> she's she's one of my biggest cheerleaders now. She yeah. is wholeheartedly in support of trans inclusion and play in disc golf, even though just by virtue of how long I've been playing, I regularly beat her. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I, sure. it's that is yeah, familiarity. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's like seeing... it's like gay people coming out of the closet in the nineties yeah. and it, in the eighties. Suddenly you got it, a gay neighbor and gay people aren't scary predators anymore. Yeah. yeah. See, huh. seeing how that about it's that? something that's not this 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 big scary unfair thing like they, what there's the, the the ladies league that i play in here has has been just absolutely fantastic about it where you know i'm not the only trans woman playing that league because they're so accepting because they've had you know they've had us playing there and they've seen you know sometimes we win sometimes we don't the first time i played there i went like shot for shot with just a, a a fantastic cis woman golfer who's been golfing as long as I have. She ended up beating me by a stroke, and like, she, you know that that's, you know, we've both been playing for twenty years. Yeah. If one of us was going to have an advantage on the other, it'd be me. And yeah. you know, she still beat me first time out. You know, it, it's but at the same time, she's super supportive of it as well because she's like, yeah, I see this isn't unfair. Yeah, you know, this this is a thing where so much of this this fear and animosity and so much of what went into putting together and, and and backing this ruling is because people just have no frame of reference for this all they can do is go with their gut instinct and your gut yeah. is always going to tell you something new is scary yeah uh for if for the conservative brain change and outsiders are scary um for for the more left leaning brain, change and outsiders are interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, there, I mean, there there is a split on on how brains work. Um, yeah. There's there's science emerging on this, and it's kind of alarming. Um, but yeah, this uh, this this uh, and you know, and honestly, the right's been ramping up a culture war against trans people mm -hmm. because yes. we are scary, and trans people getting rights is a new change, yeah. and scary people and change is what the right-leaning brain responds to yeah so we need to be not scary and economy of and anger. and our the and our having rights needs to be normalized 
And then suddenly it's not changing. We're not weird outsiders. Right. And then they have to move on to some other group to demonize. And there will be another. Yeah. You know, there was, there was, there was a group before us and there'll be a group after us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think we should wrap up here. I know it's uh, getting late there in Germany and uh, good heavens. I just so appreciate all of you. Um, Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you, Nova. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Any other closing thoughts? I don't want to fully cut anybody off before we go here. I want to do another episode. There's so much I haven't said. (laughs) Oh, this could be a whole series. Yeah, Yeah. and we can. You know, uh, I am real open this year. We don't have any sponsors. I'm not looking for any. (laughs) We're just going to put it out there, y'all. And uh, yeah, so maybe we'll leave people hanging here a little bit for for some more for next time. Um, We can give an update sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll get back active on social media and things. um, And uh, yeah, you can keep an eye on us there and in the feeds of all the podcast places and all that stuff. So thank you all so much again. I can't tell you how much I appreciate each one of you. um, And we'll catch you next time on the Ladies and Chains Disc Golf Podcast.